0: All the way from Bokota Village in Limpopo, South Africa, we bring you Missionary Minds, where you can learn about family, church history, biblical worldview issues, and of course, missions. All from the mind of a real-world missionary of almost 20 years. Bodhi Paul, I remember watching a YouTube video that was about a man who was vlogging about his life, and his wife was the one who went out and Had the full time job of bringing home the bacon, and he would get occasional uh, work and stay home with the kids. And it always felt a little awkward to look at that. And that's why, in today's question, we want you to answer How is a husband to
1: provide for his wife? Over to you, Fundisi. First, the story Rollins White was a great Christian of the past that you could read in one of the great books of all time, Fox's Book of Martyrs. He lived in an era of King Henry VIII, who was certainly no friend of Christianity. And Rollins White was a good Catholic at that time, as were most religious people. But then he came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He understood justification by faith alone. Here's the problem, he didn't know how to read. So now he's a Christian and he's being withheld from understanding the greatest book of all time. So he sends his son off to school to learn how to read And then the son comes back and reads the Bible to Rollins White. And then Rollins White simply memorizes what he was taught from the Bible. And then he'd go out and start preaching and evangelizing. He was told not to do so. He refused. And so he was incarcerated. And in those days, there was no freedom of speech. And they said, off to the gallows, or in this case, off to the stake. It was said that he marched to his execution wearing his wedding shirt, while his wife and children shed tears close by, and this was agonizing to him. He pierced his heart and tears began to flow down his cheeks. But then he became angry with himself that his sinful flesh was resisting the privilege of dying for Christ, and he told the executioner to tie his hands tighter to the stake, and then the fire was lit, and he entered in to the presence of the Lord Jesus. And as I think about that story, I think, was this great man of faith providing for his wife and children? What about those who said, you have to recant because you have a responsibility to provide for your wife and to provide for your children, but instead you're being walked to the stake and there they are weeping, being left behind without anyone to care for them. Well, we're going to try to discuss this today and answer the question, how is a husband to provide for his wife?
0: Yes, brother, and thank you for that example. His willingness to die in the face of such difficulty, and even his response to it is uh, such a tremendous encouragement. Uh, But it does leave those questions, as you said, what about his wife? And people sometimes bring this up with, Uh, missionaries or men who are willing to sacrifice. Uh, And so, please, kick it off for us. I know you love the great family passage, Ephesians 5. What does it have to say?
1: Yeah, let's go right back to Ephesians 5. I'm thinking verse 29. Here's one of the reasons, Carney, that I love Ephesians 5 so much, because it is the central passage in all of Scripture that explains the roles of the husband and the wife. So just as a reminder when it comes to egalitarianism we would say that men and women are equal in value they're both made in the image of God they're converted the same way in that sense yes Galatians 3:28 there is now no more male or female but there is a huge difference in the abilities and the roles of a man and a woman. We find an example of this in Ephesians 5, verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. So this is in the midst of Paul talking about how husbands can love their wives, and loving your wife is not just, I say I love you. It is more than just words. It's much more than words makes me think of a Puritan pastor that once said, he loves but little who tells how much he loves. In other words, if you're always saying, saying, saying about how much you love such and such, there might be a good chance you actually don't love at all. You're overcompensating. If a husband only says how much he loves his wife, his affection for her is small. In verse 29, Paul's going to illustrate the... Kind of self concerning love that he talked about in the previous verse by giving practical ways that a man can love his wife. And he says the first way is that he nourishes her. Some translations say he feeds her. And this in part speaks of the responsibility that a husband has to provide for the physical needs of his wife. He is to clothe her. He, the husband, he is to. Feed her. You say, why? Because he's to love her as Christ loved the church, and Christ loved the church by nourishing her. It's not reverse. He doesn't say this to the wife, he says this to the husband. Now, we're going to talk more about 1 Timothy 5, verse 8 later on, but we are told that a man that does not provide for his wife is worse than an unbeliever. So that means no to stay at home dads. No gross. Uh, Fathers are not to stay at home. I understand there's a few exceptions, but let's not die the death of a thousand qualifications and give disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. By and large, no. Fathers are to work. Husbands are to provide for the family. Titus chapter 2, in general, women are to stay at home and provide for the family. And he's to nourish her in many ways, even beyond physical ways, and we'll talk about those in a moment, but we do know that nourish has an idea here of feeding, providing for, and the first way we would say would be physically.
0: I want to find out a bit what we mean here, what we're talking about. We say um, that the man should nourish his wife, but in a marriage, people are supposed to care for one another isn't it supposed to be 50 50 um both can take care of each other so why does it have to be the man who's the breadwinner
1: because i would say the obvious application flowing from these verses is the husband's duty to provide for his wife and one way he does this is physical provision first timothy 5 8 let me just read the whole verse if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Most people today think of the husband's responsibility to provide for the wife primarily in terms of the physical, but I would say even that is greatly changing. So, of course, spiritually, it's often the man that's not providing for the home. Most people would say the mom is the most spiritually inclined. But yes, physically he's supposed to provide. But even there, I think... That idea is wasting away dramatically. This idea is becoming obsolete in many corners of the world as most wives work outside the home and could provide for themselves financially just fine. Now, do many women work outside the home because of the rise of technology, opportunities, and education? Yes. But would fewer Christian women work in the business world and embrace their role of working in the home of thinking tidies two five if husbands took their role as breadwinner more seriously i think the answer is yes so let me state that question again i understand that the rise of so many women in the workforce and farming out their children to be raised and educated by other people is that because of so many more opportunities and technology, et cetera? Yes, I don't deny that. But I would, what I am denying is that it would remain the same if husbands took their role seriously as, I'm the breadwinner, I'm going to provide, I want to give my wife a soft landing pad to do all of her womanly, motherly duties in the home. If a husband took that more seriously, I think there would be far more women in the home. That is, I think there would be a lot of women who would say, actually, I'm forced to work. I really don't want to. And when I say work, I hesitate to even say that because women are always working. My wife is a stay-at-home mom, uh, educated in medicine, uh, went to one of the best m- uh, medical schools Uh, in the country, Vanderbilt University, worked in ER, etc. So she works far more now than she did then in the emergency room, but that is caring for our children. Paul is clear that one of the chief ways a husband cares for his wife is that he nourishes her by putting food on the table and clothes on her back. If the cupboard is bare, in other words. The burden is not 50-50. The burden lies on him. Now, the passage doesn't say he enriches her. It doesn't say they must have a two-car garage or a gym membership. It means he simply provides what the family needs, which is another reason far less women should be working outside of the home. He nourishes her.
0: Thank you for that, brother. And as you were saying, it uh, I have to say this: uh, a meme came to mind when you were speaking about your wife and how much she works now and how much mothers actually work in the home. Mother's Day recently, there's this meme where a husband is saying, hey, honey, I hired some help so that you can get a bit of a break on Mother's Day. And here they are. And there is a chef standing there. There is a a taxi driver. There is a nurse. There is uh, a teacher, and there's a whole horde of people all fulfilling of her roles, exactly right. all the roles that the mother performs. So you've spoken to us about the physical care. Is that all that's enti- uh, entailed here?
1: No, uh, I think of the second word, nourishes, would entail spiritual help as well. But then you have the second word, cherishes. That word, cherishes, means to warm. Uh, Paul used this word in describing himself as a gentle nursing mother that was taking care of his children. And these words combined, I would say nourishing and cherishing, combined to describe the physical and emotional way a husband is to provide for his wife. Uh, The phrase, just as Christ does the church, shows that Jesus is the ultimate example of one that nourishes and cherishes his bride, even with all its weaknesses, mistakes, and sins. Christ nourishes and takes care of his church, his body. So the church has lots of weaknesses. The church has many mistakes, many sins. And yet Christ nourishes and cares for the church spiritually and emotionally.
0: If you could think up um, a couple of examples you can share of what this looks like, because I'm thinking of um, our context, and I'm sure there are examples uh, of this in the States. and. Worldwide, but in our context, where tenderness from a man isn't typical. And so men might relate to the need to provide and they can relate to that. But the cherishing, nourishing aspect, what does that look like in the home?
1: Well, it's the teacup sledgehammer illustration, right? So people automatically think today that. Because a woman might be a teacup and a man might be a sledgehammer, that somehow the woman is inferior. Why? Why is she inferior? Because she's a teacup. She's more fragile. We know that she is the weaker vessel. I'm just using the teacup as an example of the weaker vessel. That is, physically, she's weaker and uh, emotionally She's weaker. She doesn't have as much fortitude, but that has so many blessings too. Just like a teacup, yes. There's there's some things that a teacup can't do that a sledgehammer can do, but there's a whole lot of things that a teacup can do that a sledgehammer can't. There's so many beautiful things about a woman, and so a man has to take this into into consideration by nourishing her and cherishing her, and that is, uh, he protects her maybe from difficult news. That's like the first thing that comes to mind. As a pastor, I don't tell my wife everything because I know she loves me. I know she cares about me. I know that she might have a uh, lean more towards worry. Okay, so I'll just carry those things. I'll carry some of those difficulties. Uh, it might be a, a man uh, working extra so that his wife has has more comforts. Uh, it it might be a, a case where. There's bad news, and she responds with weeping, and he cares for her. He cherishes her. He never mocks her. He never says to her, stop crying. He never says, suck it up. He understands that's the way that God has made her. Of course, there are, there are inherent temptations that she's going to face in her weaknesses, just like women are m- more susceptible to the sin of gossip and men are more susceptible to the sin of lust. Yeah, like Can we just recognize that? And and we recognize that some women lust and some men gossip, but due to our sex and the way God has created us, there are some sins that we are inclined to. So a husband has to be aware of these things, and he has to care for her about those things, and he has to watch out for landmines ahead that he knows might be a temptation to her. So warm her, cherish her, provide for her in these ways emotionally and spiritually. Let me just give a few more examples. Um, I'm just thinking about in the home. You know, the husband has a responsibility not just to provide for a kitchen aid, whatever, on her counter or a washing machine, but he he needs to provide for her spiritually by leading her. And negatively it would be that he's not to be led. In other words, does he seek her counsel? Uh, Definitely. A man seeks her counsel, but she's not the leader in the home. Uh, Does he favor joint decisions with his wife? Absolutely. I've made very few decisions unilaterally in our home. There's been a few times that I have, and I think they were the right decisions. In other words, she said A, I said B and we couldn't agree, and so we went with B. Uh, but rarely does that happen. So yes, seek her counsel. Yes, make joint decisions. Um, is, is he willing to change his mind when her wisdom is superior than his in a particular matter? Absolutely. So we just had this project. I sent out a, a project to uh, a man the other day. Actually, it was last night. And she was looking at it, and she said, uh, very quickly, she looked. I, I'd looked at this particular project for well over an hour and she glanced at it and she said, you need to change this. And inside of me, I thought, you know, why are you so confident about that? You just glanced at it. I've been staring at this. I have all the facts here. I've been noticing this for an hour. And you glance at this and say very confidently, you need to do this. And so I pushed back a little bit, but I just thought about it and I said, she's exactly right. She is exactly right. So absolutely, men, that I wouldn't say she's the leader of the home. I wouldn't say that you're hupotisamonoi. That would be the Greek word of submitting to her. You're just taking some really smart counsel that she had given to you. Absolutely. So I'm all for that. A biblical example would be David. Could see Abigail was right. Remember that story in First Samuel twenty-five, where he says to the men, Gird on your swords, we're taking revenge. Look at all the things that we had done for Nabal. This is how he treats us. And he's all ready to go. And then she comes in, but ladies, this is very helpful now. She doesn't come in Miss Bossy Pants and says, This is what you need to do. She comes in with food. So there's a lesson, right? She comes in with food, and how often, Carney, have our wives softened us with the food? She comes in with food, she comes in with humility, she comes in with grace, and she says very pointedly, though, e- essentially, you're going to regret this. Don't have this man's blood on your hands. And he was wise enough to say, that's right. So I'm all for that. Men, Men need to be listening to their wives. However, the scriptures are littered with examples of men that failed to love their wives by not leading them through emotional and spiritual darkness. In other words, they were not just taking good counsel, but they were not the leaders at all. The wives became the leaders. They were directing where the family's going to go for church and where they're going to work and the direction of the home, they became, the women became the leaders. And that's a disaster for a nation. It's a disaster for the church. That would be women elders, basically in every denomination today. And it's a disaster for the home. Adam, all the way back in the first story in Genesis, should have pointed out this idea to Eve. Uh, he, he, He should have... He should have pointed out Eve's sin, but instead, Genesis 3.6, he followed her. Another example, Ahab. Ahab should have rebuked Jezebel for her slander of Naboth. Instead, he followed her, 1 Kings 21. Herod should have resisted Herodias' request. He should have said, no, you can't do this. I, I'm, I'm going to resist the pressure. Instead. He followed her in Mark 6. So, men love their wives. I would say all of this, kind of tying it in a knot here. Men love their wives by leading them emotionally and spiritually. Of course, I put the disclaimers, right? We take their advice, we listen to their counsel, we make joint decisions, but we lead them. And when men and when husbands and when pastors allow themselves to be led, they abdicate. Their responsibility and thus disobey the commands of this passage in Ephesians 5. The fact that there are so few good examples of this in scripture, of male leaders leading their homes, really points to the difficulty of the task.
0: And you speak of men leading their homes and not following their wives, listening to, but not following their wives. That's something that um, th- there's a nuance there that I. I think Pastor Matt White, who I mentioned recently as well from Belcroft Bible Church, dear friend, was also saying that he listens to his wife. And we understand this in other spheres. We know Scripture says uh, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Yeah. A king will take some time. A president will listen to his ministers, uh, and a king will listen to his counselors. and um, But he understands that the accountability, the responsibility— uh, Rests with him. There's a reason that it's the CEO's face that appears in the newspaper uh, when some staff does something that's wrong. Let's just uh, reverse a little bit to the provision side of things in terms of the uh, financial aspect, the breadwinning. Would you say it matters if both parties are working? Does the dollar figure, the rand figure, matter on? the paycheck uh in terms of breadwinning, or are there other elements to consider
1: let me take your first question which is what about both working i don't have a problem with that i don't think scripture has a problem with that as long as she can correctly carry out her tasks which i think is difficult to do so i'm not putting a carte blanche uh, negation on women wor- working outside of the home, but I am saying the rule ought to be here are her responsibilities. She is to be the helper to her husband. She is to care for the children. She is to reflect the kind of industrious woman of, of Proverbs 31. Now, can she do all of that and you know, be a fourth-grade teacher or work at the bank, etc. I would say, rarely can she do that. And oftentimes in our world today, it's like super mom. Mom can do everything, but she can't. And, and we ought not to be so prideful and think that she can. God has created the bicycle with two wheels. That is, the home is to have a father and a mother and a husband and a wife for a reason. So take that into consideration. Now, um, when it comes to payment, Hey, there's going to be women who make more money, but the, the, the husband needs to take the lead as far as where the family is going, the direction of the home, how the finances are, are being used. But even there, all of it is so often a, a joint decision. I was just thinking the other day, what would I do without my wife and our powwows that we're consistently having? And everyone knows in our home, I say to my wife, come, uh, let's talk about this. Come, let's talk about this. Let's talk this through. There needs to be joint decisions, but in the end, the man is the leader.
0: And thank you for addressing that uh, first question. I never put a question mark on it, but I love how you just slid in there and answered it. Uh, so you're saying there that the dollar figure doesn't am- uh, doesn't matter as much as the man taking charge, taking the leadership role in.
1: What do you mean by the dollar figure? Are you are you saying?
0: Uh, the man earns 10000 rands the wife earns 30000 rands does that matter in
1: but are you saying what, what is their situation are they do they have children at home are they single they are uh, they have children at home um and with you mentioned
0: technology earlier so it could be some online job that the wife is doing or maybe she has a business that is flourishing whereas the man is in a uh, a role that doesn't flourish as, as much
1: well i would say in that situation and i know of situ in fact i'm even thinking of a couple right now in south africa where she had an excellent job as a lawyer and she gave it up to care for the kids i think that's the right pattern and you're sending a slam dunk message to your children you matter to me more than anything it you matter to me more than money income and the husband is sending a slam dunk message as well so can she work in the home and be industrious absolutely Uh, if you look at the industrious woman i like calling her the industrious woman in proverbs 31 even though yes she's the virtuous woman but when i look at that chapter i just see her one of the primary aspects of her virtue is industry she's just working so hard i think about that so much with my own wife so yes there's all kinds of jobs jobs she's selling the field right she sees a field and she she buys it and she sells it and she's she's clothing her family with scarlet so yes she's working and she's making business my my issue is women that are abdicating their responsibility to be a helper for the husband and a trainer for the children at home. She's abdicating those for money. That, I think that's what Scripture is opposed to. So with the dollar figure, the rand figure, um, if it's a case, and I don't know if you were asking this, but in case you were, if this is the case of, let's say she makes twice as much as he does, but they know that they have to do things at home, so he'll be a stay-at-home dad. Scripture is opposed to that absolutely he is to be the breadwinner and there's a number of reasons for this one one is that he's to be the breadwinner he is to provide he's to put bring home the bacon he's to bring bring home the finances for the for the home so that would be one but the second one would just be giftedness like these are not interchangeable parts here that you can just flip them around it it doesn't it doesn't work that way she is gifted by God to be a better manager in the home she's domestic by nature she cares better for the children when it comes to teaching the little ones and nursing the baby and all of those responsibilities she's just better at it and he's better at it as well not being so domestic being outside of the home and caring for the for the family so if you are asking that when it comes to a difference in incomes to the point that they should switch roles opposed to that but look they're in the beginning of marriage and she's just got a better job and making more money. Hey, that's, that's the way life is and and they should work through that and there shouldn't be jealousy. And, and by the way, they're working together anyway. They're one flesh. The husband should seek not to be jealous of his wife and the, the wife should especially know that a man gains so much of his worth by what he does. And so she should be very careful never to, Ridicule him or place herself on top. Uh, my wife does just such an excellent job of, of that in so many ways. With me knowing that I'm the the chief financial provider of our home, and yet she could make an incredible amount of money with her training, but she doesn't talk about it. She says that was great, but I love my life now, and you do such a wonderful job, she tells me repeatedly, you do such a wonderful job, providing for our family, and I don't ask her to say these things, she just says those things because she's affirming me. And we know this because with, with two guys, when they're together, the first thing they say is, what do you do? And when two girls are together, the first thing they say is, tell me about your family. Because women are relational, and men find a, uh, much, of their, much of their worth by their job, and God has created us that way. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think my, my wife has learned that from your wife, and other godly woman as well. She is constantly trying to prop me up. And that feels great, doesn't it? Yes. When your wife is telling you how good a job you do at certain things, even times when I'm like, man, that was quite a lousy job. And she's so thankful for what I did. And I, I really appreciate that.
1: The other day... I did a small, I used to do a lot more handy work around the house than I do now just because of all my projects, but I did a handy job the other day, which in my mind was very small. But she said in passing, you're so smart about that. And I, you know, I felt I was Goliath walking across just because of that affirmation. That's a great thing for wives to do and husbands love it.
0: Yeah, Uh, it reminds me when um, I first joined your family. At uh, the beginning of the year, one of the uh, I love being handy, but I'm not particularly great at it. And it started from when I was young. Uh, my mom was not particularly fond of it, but I used to grab the kitchen knives and the forks and use them for screwdrivers. So they would all be bent inside the drawer. And so I I love that, but I'm not particularly good at it. So I came here, and here there's a lot more handy work to be done. So one of my first projects was to Uh, set up the um, clothing line to hang clothes uh, on Opto Washing. And I I did it and I looked at it and I'm like, man, this looks (laughs) ugly. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, it works, but this does not look great. And she she was so thankful for it and uh, many other things. And sometimes we'll sarcastically just laugh at some of the things I do, but it's because of how much she affirms me uh, that makes me feel like a leader. And that has helped me grow as a leader as well and so as you're saying it's the man takes leadership and that gives his wife confidence and then that helps him grow in his leadership and so i've felt myself grow whereas in the past i've tended to be and i'm still trying to um to weed it out but i've tended to be a very passive person in that regard mm-hmm. any final
1: words final words his marriage is great get a great wife and uh, remember that. Uh, the Lord has made us different. And to embrace those those rules. I, I ask my wife every once in a while. Do you love being a woman? Like, do you, Are you happy that you're a woman? Because you get vibes sometimes of. Ah, this is a man's world. Although it's totally changing today. Almost a woman's world today. You know. They wish that they were a different sex. And there's. Something unhealthy if a man says, I wish I was a woman, or a woman says, I wish I was a man. That's unhealthy. That's sinful because um, it shows ingratitude for how God has created us. God has created us man and woman. We can never change that. And it is the highest wickedness and affront and abomination. Toward a living God for those to lift their fists to him and somehow almost comically if it wasn't so sad to say to him I've decided now I want to be uh, another sex which is impossible uh, but even to desire that but I also know that as as a husband of course my wife says yes I love being a woman but if I find times where she struggles with her sex or her role it might not be right for me to blame her it might be my responsibility i need to look first at myself and say well maybe it's because i'm asking her to carry things that she should not be carrying or maybe it's because i'm not nourishing her as i should be nourishing her i'm not cherishing her i'm not providing for her the other day she said to me I asked her, how can I love you better? How can I be a better husband? I ask her that often. And she said, I like it when you teach me. And that was another reminder. So husbands ask those questions. How can I do better? Just give me in the car, walking, you know, going to sleep. Then how can I be better? And she'll tell you, give her freedom to tell you. And she said, I like it when you teach me. And I thought, wow, you know, I'm preaching all the time and family worship, but she means more than that. She she wants me to just sit down and unload of what I was reading or studying that particular day. Okay, note to self, I need to do better there. And there might be times where she maybe disdains her sex in a way, but not because of any error in her, but of error in me. So husbands, let's do a good job of keeping track of that.
0: Mm, And it reminds me, my wife said... The very same thing to me a couple of weeks back, and it was after for family worship. Uh, I was trying to exercise that sort of leadership and providing spiritually that we're speaking of in the podcast, and so I tried to, in a sense, teach her as if I was giving a sermon based on my uh, private devotional time during the week uh, on, and that was our family worship, and she treasured it so much and despite how much she knows and how well she's been taught by spending time with the Cantrells and with your family, she's constantly trying to place herself under. And so the reminder that I have to do my part and provide the man she needs for help, for her to feel safe in that. But uh, at this point I'll say that it's been a treat to Mpundisi. To our audience, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to rate it and subscribe to keep posted with more upcoming content. Feel free to share this episode with someone who might find it interesting and submit any questions you may want answered in a future podcast. You can email those questions to Schleline at gmail.com. You can also visit between2cultures.com for other resources like this. I'm your host, Jamikani Katunga, and until next time, that's it from Missionary Minds.